You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? Berto here. And Berto, we're back with another episode, fresh off of our first ever guest appearance. So if anybody missed the last episode, definitely go back and check it out. It's a good mm-hmm. good story to be heard there. So what do you got for us today, Berto? Yeah, that was a great story. And I think at the end of the episode, man, I uh you know, I was just uh thinking about how impactful a person like, you know, JC is and and how impactful he could be, you know, depending on societies and, and how communities are. And uh that's why at the end of the episode I was I was talking about you know, ranting, but, you know, our show is, is more, I feel like that has a negative connotation rant, you know, so our show is more about, you know, turning that into a positive. So I think that's, that's more the direction I want to go today. Now, positive in the sense that we can talk about this and shed light on it because the situation isn't positive, you know, um, like I'm going to share, I'm going to share somebody's story with you that for, from a guy that I knew, you know, this, this, this guy, he's been in and out of the justice system as a kid. And then now he's doing uh life in prison. And I bring this guy up. His name is Weddle. Well, that was his nickname. We'll just leave it at that. But I bring it up. I bring him up because I feel like when I look at his story and I look at the things that he, he did and the situations he was in, and then ultimately what happened to him, I feel like if I'm being honest with myself, this person could have been me. And my outcome, the outcome of my life could have been very different. And I think it's fair, you know, calling a spade a spade here to really analyze how unlevel our criminal justice system really is and and how situations can be so similar and then, you know, be treated completely different. So, you know, I knew this guy, he was, this guy, Weddle, he was, um, he was a future for the, uh, the deuce trays for 23rd. And, uh, you know, he was young. I was young. I remember, you know, I was, I was really young on 19th street he wasn't around that long, man. And until he kind of like disappeared. And I remember when he disappeared, you know, uh, his brother, Tommy guns was mad at him because he had Tommy guns pistol. And so he's like, man, a dude had my gun. And, and, and he, Tommy gun said he stole it, you know? So he was already in, in, in bad favor with us. <clears throat> and so, but we found out that he ended up getting caught with that gun. And he actually got locked up for it. So at 13, got caught with a gun, and he went to to Wales, Ethan Allen, which I've talked about with my own my own past. And so, but at 13, you would think, you know, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that had to be like one of his first charges. You would think, you know, at 13, he would maybe get some probation, get to go home. And because in my situation, I caught my first case at 13. I was I was in a stolen vehicle. It's probably not as serious as a gun. Um, but, you know, I, ne- I didn't go to Wales for that. 
I did go to St. Charles for a period of time, but I ended up escaping from there. Well, not escaping. I AWOLed. I went on a pass and never came back, you know, but just to think about that, like I didn't go straight to Wales on my first charge, but, but he did. And I think he did like 11 months too. And so he got back out. Sky got back out. And obviously the Kings, you know, he, he, you know, they took care of him for uh, obviously stealing his brother's gun, you know, and ultimately they forgave him and he was around a little bit and got locked back up. I don't know what it was for at that time. Maybe it was just a probation violation, but I know when I went to Wales, he was up there. So, you know, now that he was okay, you know, he wasn't a king yet. Right. Um, he was still a future. And so, you know, I embraced him a little bit, you know, I, I, I was, I was okay with him and he ended up getting out while I was up there. He was probably out three months, bro, man. Yeah. If that, right. He comes back to Wales, he comes walking in. Remember Wales is like, it's a juvenile prison. So obviously in order to get there, whatever he did, cause he caught a new case, he had to have done it before then because the court system doesn't work that fast. So I say it had to be three months, but it had to be in real time, maybe like a month because he went through the system again and he came back up to Wales with a new charge, an armed robbery charge. The highest sentence you can get as a juvenile at this time when I was there <clears throat> without being waived to adult court is uh, three to five years. And it's called a SJO, serious juvenile offender. So he came back with that. He came back with that, a serious juvenile offender. Um, three to five years. And that means that you can do a mandatory three years and be released for two years of supervision, or they can let you out before then, but it's no more than three years mandatory. So a lot of those guys, they end up doing like 18 months to two years minimum before they're even considered to leave. Um, I didn't go to Wales with that sentence. I got a year and then I got extended a year. Um, so when he came back up there, I'm like, man, what happened? You know, and he's like, man, you know, he's just telling me he got caught for an armed robbery and this and this and that. And I asked him, like, were you with the brothers? And he was like, no, you know, and he gave me some story <clears throat> that he wasn't he never linked back up with the Kings and he ended up being an unknown. And now his name was Wicked. Right. So these are like just little things. And then I told you, like we had, uh, you know, the unknowns in us weren't on good terms. Like we started kind of warring with them and I let them know, like, that's where we stand with them. And. And he was like, well, I, I don't really, I'm not really with him anymore, neither. I felt like he wanted to kind of, you know, relinquish that unknown stuff and come to the King stuff again. You know what I mean? And so he's like, yeah, I'd rather, you know, try to start coming around again. And and I, I, I know it's a numbers game. Like, you know, there's, there was no unknowns in Wales, you know what I'm saying? And there was a, a good number of Kings up there. So I understood the, the idea behind it and I was okay with it because I never thought he was a bad guy. Basically what you're saying is he wanted to become, once he got back up to Wales, he wanted to be a Latin King now instead of this other gang, just because there was more Latin Kings in Wales. I think that... so. I think so. I mean, because obviously if you're unknown, you got no, we got no alliance to you. So if something happens to you, that's on you. You know, like we weren't, we weren't uh, aligned with unknowns. So um, I let him know, like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do nothing to you. Like we ain't, you know what I mean? Like, that war was a different kind of war. It wasn't, uh, it, it, it was lopsided, put it like that, you know, when it had, when it had started. So it wasn't like we were in a real, real constant, you know, beef with the unknowns. It was from one 
situation stem from one situation so but anyways um yeah it, it you know it was clear it was evident he would have been by himself or just with whomever you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying so that was a smart move yeah so anyway so if i move along the timeline i end up getting out right and i leave him there he stays there i get out <clears throat> the first time i got out after being there 18 months we talked about this i got out i was only out for like a month and a half maybe two months maybe yeah, about a month and a half. I went back, right? And then I did another like almost six months and I got out again. He was still there, right? So he's there all this time. And then so when I got out, I got out in um in June. No, in July of two thousand and two thousand and five. And then I was out until October twelfth. That's when we got indicted. So he was still up there all that time, all that time. We get indicted. Let me see. I got indicted and all the way until 2007, he finally got out of Wales. Like he, or he got out at the end of the year or something. He wasn't out, man, probably two months. And he ended up being 23rd. He ended up becoming 23rd Street. And he was probably out like two, maybe three months. <clears throat> and uh, he decides with a group of people that he's with. They were going to commit a robbery, so they did. And the robbery went bad, and whatever happened, one of them ended up killing them. I'm pretty sure Weddle was the one. And then, come to find out, this guy was a Miller Brewing executive. So, <clears throat> I mean, you want to talk about the worst of the worst of the worst. Like, <laughs> it, it, it got really bad, right? And it wasn't long before he was the main suspect on the run, had a $10,000 reward on him, got turned in. um, And the ripple effect went on and on from there. Right. So he goes, obviously he goes, ends up getting convicted, gets life plus 50 years, probably spent about four to six months of his entire life from the age of 13, four to six months out of, out of incarceration and the rest in, and he'll spend the rest of his life in prison unless there's some miracle that, that nobody knows about. And so I just think about that, man. I think about that, that these last few days I've been thinking about it. Like, man, I done everything that he did. Maybe not as, Differently. I'll just put it like that. I done what he did, but I did it differently. And, and I just look at it like, man, that, that life could have been my life. I could be doing life in prison right now with no chance of ever coming home. And I'm grateful. And that's, and that's why I said, man, I'll turn that rant into gratitude, man, because at this point, like I'm grateful, you know, but I think it, it, what it does is it, it does, it, it, it sheds light on a glaring hole in, and how we treat, how we're treated, um, as a society, you know, in these urban areas, there is no consistency. I look at, I look at his situation. Obviously we probably didn't come from much different upbringings. And the main difference, I guess, is that I was actually connected the whole time, you know, meaning I was actually a Latin King and he wasn't. This is the main difference. Other than that, the crimes he committed, I could have easily gotten convicted for as well. 
So, you know, so I kind of want to flip this on you for a second. Yeah. And, and before I say this, I, I do want to point out if in case anybody listening to this hasn't figured out, I do have my, my issues. I think that the criminal justice system certainly does have its flaws, but I see one glaring difference between you and him and his, the glaring difference there is, is that you, I mean, as soon as you got out, you weren't, maybe you were out there doing things, but you weren't getting caught for anything immediately after you got out where in his story, it sounds like literally got out maybe for at the longest period of time a month. And then he was arrested again for some serious crime. So in the defense of the justice system, I do have to look at this and say, if he's constantly offending repeatedly, like every time they let him out, he's getting caught for something again. I can see why his, his sentence, sentencing, uh, sentencing was much more severe. No, for sure. Does that make for sure. sense? No, it, it, there's definitely a character profile, 100%. Um, and his was different than mine. But here's the part that is more intriguing to me <clears throat> that I think is a better conversation, right? Like that's what we're about, creating conversations. Here's a better conversation. So when it happened, man, the chief at that time, Chief Flynn, Edward Flynn, right? He... uh he came out and he made like several statements, right? This is, this is a Miller brewing company executive. You know, one of them, he said, quote, my message to them is that justice will be done in this case. Don't lose heart and don't lose faith. Unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about that, I think, man, that's a powerful statement. Where's that statement when, the average family loses their son from gun violence. So yeah, because, you're so you're because, right. Right. So, so that's, that's my point is that the society that we live in puts, puts value on a, on a life that is never equal. You know, their scale is different, you know, in order to have all the resources, everybody on board, for this guy's murder, the police chief came out and made a statement. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what else he said? He tried to reaffirm the community, right? Of how about how how rare it was. He said that the value. Oh no, he said this is what he said. He said 80% of the homicides in the city in 2007 involved a victim who had a criminal record. So he's saying, don't worry. These killings are usually only happening to people that have criminal records. That's what right. he's saying. I mean, that's yeah. the way I take it. You know, when I, when I read an article like that, it's like, okay, who are you trying to, to comfort here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so don't worry about it. Only my family members are going to die from things like this. This Miller Bruin executive is the exception not the rule. And I just feel like that's, that's a strong enough message, man. You know, when I run parallels to my life and his, yeah, we had different outcomes, but I also look at it from the stance that what if this guy would have been a gang member? Would this guy be doing life in prison? Oh, and, and I completely agree with you. He wouldn't be because the press coverage, they, I mean, 
it's a sad right. fair, affair to say, but they wouldn't care. <laughs> right. 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 And I mean, right. and we kind of, um, me and Gavin kind of looked at this when we first met you, Berto, because if, if you go look up your name on Google, you don't really show up in anything. Right. But, right. but if you look up your brother, he does show up. Right. All over the place. There's articles about him all over the place. And why is that? Because right. the at a certain point in time, the crime that your brother committed was way more public because hit the victim in the crime was not, you know, right. Was a white right. guy that and, had and, probably no criminal history. Right. You know. And the crazy part, the crazy part is that, you know, a Google or whomever could have never foreseen that obviously I would have been, you know, exonerated from the second murder. And, you know, I, obviously I had nothing to do with it, but my point is that I actually had two murders and three attempted murders. I got no type of recognition because all mine was all gang violence. Right. You know, mine was all within gangs. And that one case that my brother was on was not. Right. And so, exactly. you know, don't get me wrong. I understand that there is a level of thought that has to go into that. Right. And that's that when it's gang violence, yeah, the other person is trying to kill you as well. And I do agree that that makes it a little bit different. But on what scale is the price of life different? Like to how much, you know what I mean? Like how much is, is life different? And, and, and you're um, absolutely right. And really, when you think about it, even if you're, if a gang member gets killed, you're still killing somebody that has family that cares about that person and should really the fact that somebody has a prestigious job propel right. them to be a more worthy victim than, than somebody else that doesn't have a prestigious job? Absolutely not. And I'm pretty sure that our, our legal system clearly states that, but right. unfortunately that's just not the way this, our society works, which is, right. I mean, it's tragic, but it's the reality of it. Right. So, you know, I guess that's the, that's the old question is, you know, are there invisible privilege, you know, is, is there really invisible privilege when it comes to the value of a person? There shouldn't you know, when, be, you know, there should there absolutely, there, there absolutely should not be. But unfortunately in the world we live in that it's just not that, you know, black and white unfortunately. Right. Right. And, and like, you know, I think this is, this is a, this is important message, man, too. Like in general terms, right. People, people add to these values and take away from the values. If you just think about the effect that social media has on life, right, right, right now, like just how it is, just the perception that people put out, you know, even if it's, you, you know, 98% of the crap is, is lies. Right. You know, and you know, I'm, I have enough humility. Like I, I never, we never are proclaiming any of that, you know, like we, you know, I still have a nine to five type of job. You know what I'm saying? I don't have nothing extravagant going on in my life. My point here is just to be as transparent as I can to try to help and try to, and try to bring some awareness to the inconsistencies that 
we all suffer from. You know, this isn't just my story. Like it's it's our story. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's everybody's story. You know, everybody that is out there that has um think about it. Anybody that has a kid, anybody that has knows somebody that knows somebody that has a kid, that's who that's who should be worried. You know, there should be more people that think about it like that. Like, damn, these little kids are going to grow up and be exposed to this, you know, like, and, and, um, I guess, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an expert in that. I'm an expert on fucking up. Like if I'm being honest, you know? So I think, I think, you know, that's, that's, that's important to, to put out there. Like, I'm not, I'm not here trying to put myself above anybody and say, I've made, you know, any, any more strides than anybody else can make, you know, I'm just trying, I'm using my, my shortcomings to try and bring a positive message here, you know, and I know shit ain't easy, you know? So I just think about all these, these situations and I wonder, man, what, what can people gain from this? You know, how could they, how can they help with some sort of message from this? You know, um, did you have any questions on that? Well, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that, that it's good to have this conversation because it yeah. raises awareness. It makes people think about these things, but yeah. I, I guess maybe I'm a pessimist, but, but can you fix this problem? I don't really think you can. Right. Unfortunately, right. Would, because, it, well, it's, listen, this, this, this is, and this, this could be, uh, this could be a little bit hopeful, right? a little bit ambitious, right? But think about where society is right now. And I'm talking about um, across the country. Think about some of the biggest movements that have happened, right? I mean, you want to talk about even the Me Too movement, right? But the the LGBTQ movement and, you know, what else? What else? I mean, there's there's a there's a bunch of just movements that took over, like mm-hmm. you don't think if there was enough people that wanted to make a difference that got their voice to be heard, you don't think it would it would change things? It could definitely I it would definitely help things. Um the problem the problem I see with it is is that I mean, if we're just talking about the angle of of, you know, like somebody having too much you know, it being an executive executive of Miller or, you know, some notable person. Yeah. I, I just, I, the problem, the problem is I it's d- too complex, right? Yeah. The problem I, is, I, it, the problem is it's too complex and it would take too much commitment from too many people. That's the problem. Right. It's, and it's, I, it's, go ahead. I, I don't know that. Unfortunately, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know how you would ever prove go after a movement like that because in the unfortunate circumstance you're asking you're trying to gather up a group of people to support people that people generally do not want to be supporting exactly you know what i exactly. mean exactly that's that's exactly where i was going that's exactly where i was going with it is that it's like people they, I mean, what's a, what's a term that they use? Like people that go into a, a voting booth and hold their nose, right. For a candidate, like basically saying they didn't want to vote for either one, but they had to vote. So they voted for some. And I think that's, that's how people are when they listen to 
redemption stories. You know, it's like, it's almost like, yeah, you know, they're happy about it. They have, you know, happy about it. But at the same time, it's like, it's still a criminal, you know, like, yeah. Do I really, do I I really want to support that? And I feel like a lot of people hear these stories and then they think, oh, well, that's really good, but you should have never done all those terrible things to begin with. Right. And, and I, I don't think that people can grasp that, you know, the people that are making these changes and are trying to do these things, they have to redo their entire life because like you've said, when you were in that place, that was your world. That was what you knew. You knew nothing else. And, and I think it's really hard for an individual, somebody like me to look at your situation and try to imagine like, that this is your whole world. Like you don't know anything else. And, and I think hearing this, hearing a story like this, it kind of opens your eyes to that a little bit, but in the end, it's something you can't truly understand unless you experience it. I mean, I can't understand how hard it was for you to become who you are now. And I don't think most people, unless they've been there can understand that either. Yeah, it's and it's uh you know, it's one of those things that is never like I like I've mentioned before, man, it's never complete. I can I can never I can never rest, you know what I'm saying, and say, Oh, the work is done here because I understand like you know, I understand what I've done in my life, I understand what I've come from in my life, and I understand that a lot of those things are are just ingrained in you to instinctually react to certain situations and like these are things that take long time a long long time to to heal and to learn from and so i know there's a lot of people like that man there's people that legit got i mean i I even remember jc telling me about like the ptsd you know i i wouldn't say i have something like that i mean as sad as it sounds gunshots were normal and now situationally, yeah, I guess PTSD would play into the fact that you don't want to be in a room uh, without your back to a wall or, you know, being in crowded places. And, you know, that that I guess you could call some some form of it. But but yeah, he was talking about like night terrors and and all kinds of things. And I can imagine he was in a Mexican prison. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, so definitely, man, definitely there's 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 credit to be given there, man. But I think the bigger issue at heart here when we go back to it is is just the 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 demise, so to speak, of of the effort to try to change and help. Um it, it's kind of like a a standstill that people have gotten to because they're caught in the middle of they're caught in the middle of of literally like gunfire. I mean, you're caught in the middle of do people want to have more law enforcement presence and then lose more loved ones behind it or have less law enforcement presence and lose more loved ones behind it? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, these are, these are the, the, the reasons why there aren't more people coming forward is because they're, they're caught in these crossfires, so to speak. And, you know, nobody wants to raise their hand when it's, it's a situation like that. And I know it's hard, man. Like that's not an easy decision to, 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 to be a part of a a movement that get rid of, gets rid of kind of something that's been embedded in these societies and and communities forever. 
you know, like, you know, who, who wants to put their hand up for that job? Like from afar, it's easy. And, and listen, I'm guilty too. You know, obviously I can't be as hands-on as I'd like to, you know, but you know, I understand that there's work there to be done, you know, and, and I think that's, that's, that's an important part at first is to at least understand it. You know, I think a lot of people have kind of, you know, threw on these blinders and, and nobody wants to, nobody wants to bring it to the table that, Hey, it ain't always, you know, it ain't always the police killing us. It's, it's, it's us, you know, killing each other. There's fault everywhere. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I, 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 I think about just where life is. It's almost like you really have to be committed to it in order to even hope to see some sort of draw from it. You know what I mean? Some sort of, you know, gain from it. You know, I, I got a message today, man. It's funny. I was, I was, I was shared a message today and it was talking about expectation versus experience. And how in the middle of that lies, you know, discouraged people, right? And I'm not going to use that example here, but I will use it as a relevance to another another thing that's been on my mind, right? And that's that there's a lot of people that get dragged into gangs that just don't deserve to be in them, right? And they shouldn't be in them. And I just think about how fast that little small decision to say, yeah, I'll do it, get you in head over your heels, you know what I mean? And and you're knee deep. And uh, I, I got an example of another guy, man, that I think about. And, you know, he's he's uh, he's a little more known amongst the people that I knew. His name was Gordy. Right. And, and and let me say this, too, before I finish this part of the story. Some people get a little frustrated that I actually use names. Right. And it, it helps me because I remember people you know, faces, names. And, and I remember the story vividly when I'm talking about somebody and I can picture them. And, but just remember, if you know, you know, if you don't, obviously like that tells you, like, don't be mad about your name being mentioned in the show. Nobody else is going to know who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a million Gordies in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, this is my story. Right. So, so the guy Gordy, right. Um, this guy came from you know, not from money, but from like a, a middle-class family, you know, like, um, he grew up with, a, a you know, a little bit of privilege, like as far as like clothes and just things like that, you know, not saying he was rich or anything like that. And, and obviously his family had some, you know, toxic, uh, stuff in it, like every family. But my point is that he, he didn't grow up in poverty. Right. And, he was in sports, you know, he was, he always had like the, the newest cleats and, you know, always, you know, always had support in the crowd. And, and so he grew up like that. Right. And, and he grew up around a lot of guys that ended up turning, you know, into gang members like me and Chico and like, he grew up around us. Right. And so, but I just think about it. Like I look back, like he never should have been in the gang. Like he just shouldn't. And I think that his expectation versus his experience were very different, man. Like there's no way that he could have thought, okay, I'm going to get into this gang and there's going to be shootings and killings and, and all these other things. Right. Because I just feel like he wasn't that guy. Like I've never, he got indicted with us, but I've never seen him even, I don't even believe I might've seen him like hold a gun like one time. Right. But my point is that those are the kind of times where like innocent kids get pulled in and it just shouldn't happen. 
you know, and their expectation versus their experience end up being completely different. And it's like, once you're in now, you can't just run away, you know? And I, I really think like he was overwhelmed. I mean, this is the guy that, you know, he was around and knew about, you know, six, seven murders when he cooperated, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. and he never did none of them, you know, but he was just around them and knew about them and heard about them and could give details on them. But I just think about him and I'm like, man, like this kid, he should have never. And this is the point. I mean, we always talk about, right. Where you get in and you assume that everybody is solid like you and something happens around a guy like this. And then boom, he's going to tell on you immediately. Right. But whose fault is that really? It's, it's our fault. You know, mm-hmm. we let him in knowing he was not that kind of guy. He was cool to hang out with. Like he was a good dude, but it just, he wasn't that guy. He didn't have that in him. And we forced that, you know, like the, you know, square peg in a round hole. Like we wanted him to fit. And, but that's my point is that, you know, and just a guy like this, he just makes that one decision to say, yeah, okay, I'm gonna start hanging out. And then boom, now you're around all this violence. You're, you're caught up in all, you know, and not necessarily he was participating in it, but still. Yeah, man, that was, that was another thing that was on my mind. Like just, just about how I just feel like, man, you know, if, if we made it more about the people we actually care about, you know, it, it could be different, you know, but yeah, I think I, the reality is right. I mean, the reality is it's, 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 uh, it's a long shot. I, I know that, you know, but that doesn't mean it's not worth talking about. Yeah. Oh, I, I fully agree with you, but I also, I always have the pessimistic side of it where, where it's like, you'd have to get a mass amount of people to support the idea that everybody is equal and, and, our society is just not ingrained. It, oh, well, I, I shouldn't say that because everybody is going to say that everybody is equal. But when it comes down to it, they're going to get more upset about somebody that has a notable role ha- getting killed or something like that than right. just somebody that's not thing. a rap sheet really long, you know? Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this on a different kind of on a different wavelength in the same, we in the same ballpark though. You know, I've heard I've heard things before that I've never been a conspiracy theorist, right? Like I've never really bought into them, and, mm-hmm. and there are tons out there, right? And I've never I've never really been a person that you know entertains any of it, right? But I think about this, right? <laughs> I just think about how much money is made off of prisoners and off of all the I mean, all the uh, steps going up to to prison, right? So to speak, meaning meaning police officers and and guards and and judges and lawyers and prosecutors, like all those things exist because of criminals, you know. Right. And it's like, how much money wouldn't be in the world if criminals weren't a thing? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's just it's just one of those things like, you know, it's almost like you feel like it has to exist, you know, and, and that that's not saying that obviously the proof is in the pudding. Right. People are just evil and they do dumb things. And, you know, uh, some people aren't evil, but they do dumb things. And 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 I think that's just the way of the world. But it's something to think about. It's definitely something to ponder, man. I think about it like, man, like how how would that look? You know, how many jobs would be lost? How many careers would be lost? 
if you're implying that that the criminal system exists to keep these jobs in place, I think that's a long that that's majorly conspiratorial. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it is. But yeah, it, is can, it is. But I'm saying, but but what will be the what if what if the criminal rate just dropped rapidly? Right? I mean, let's just just speak in fantasy land, right? By by eighty percent, how many people are immediately out of work? Right. Totally. And and do do we have all these people in prison in our prisons because well we have these prisons and we need to have people in them? Who knows? Like, right? Because I mean, I mean, how many people are in, sitting in prison because they bought a bag of weed <laughs> twice, right? And and Not that for sure. that deems them to go to jail and should they really be in jail? Probably right. not. Right. You know, for sure. That, that's, that's, I, I completely agree. I think about that a lot, man. Like I, listen, I deserve to be in jail, right? hundred percent things I did. I deserve to be in jail. There's a lot of people that I, I think about that I met that did not deserve to be in jail <laughs> like, for jail. no, yeah. for not a day, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, even like some drunk drivers and it's crazy because drunk drivers, it's a crime, right? It's serious. You can kill people. The average Joe does it. And then when you see him like in a, pod that full of guys that are going to prison for serious crimes you look at them you're like what the hell are you doing in here and Mm. um that's that's probably what he's asking himself as well (laughs) but yeah no i just it's definitely and you know i don't know i think about that too like what about the disparity in that right like drunk driving i feel is really really serious really really dangerous and i feel like it's one of the biggest silent killers right so it's like how do you, what kind of criminal was that? You know, and I think you bring up a really interesting point with that because, I mean, there are literally people out there that have nine DUIs. Yeah. And they're still able to walk on the street. And maybe at nine DUIs, they might lose their license or something like that, but they're still out in society. And and in a way, you can argue that that's, nine attempted murders in a way because every time you do it i mean you're you're putting somebody's life at risk so i mean that is a very interesting thing but then when you think about that and this is where where the where it gets all weird because if you think about that logically there you're right there's a disparity there but don't you in your head think somebody that attempted to murder somebody and somebody that has a drunk driving, those are two very different things. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like I know people with DUIs and they would never hurt nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. they would never, you know, dream of hurting somebody. And, And that's the thing is like psychologically, man, how do you break that down and turn that into uh discipline? Right? Like, where's the where's the thought process and i don't know i don't i don't even know i can't even go down that wormhole because i wouldn't know where to begin but yeah no and and just damn you just made me feel like shit because i got a bunch of duis that i never got you know like that's the reality because they say you drive drunk you know probably 50 times before you get caught once you know what i'm saying yeah so, exactly you know that's and- a, that's a that's a lot of damage you could cause Right. But when you think about it from the state of just thinking about it, you don't think of a DUI as anywhere near the severity of any sort of attempted type murder, you know, and, and 
it's a big difference in in our mind psychologically, which, and I think that's a lot of what you're, what you're talking about here is, is that, well, somebody that I don't know that has this really long rap sheet gets arrested or gets killed. That's not a big deal, but somebody I know that's an executive at a beer company that I'm very familiar with. Well, whoa, my ears would perk up by that. And I think, right. I, I don't know how to, how you fix that, you know, right. because they, sh- it should be the same thing. It should be equal, but, but the media is going to catch on to one of them. I mean, more. should it though? Yeah. Yeah. That's the crazy part is like, sometimes you think like, wow, should it though? Like that's the weird part about the human element, right? Then, and like the human element is always going to respond differently to different situations. And it's like, two brains can look at one thing and feel it extremely different about it. You know, I I know that so well, (laughs) exactly. And, and, and I do think by, by the way our laws are written. Yeah. That those two should be treated exactly the same, but because of like what you just said, the way brains respond to certain things, they don't, they they aren't because the media catches on and starts writing articles and then the police become under pressure. And then because of that pressure, they have to make a, an example of the person that did it and things like that. And it's just like, it just balloons out of control. And that's where this disparity comes from. And it's completely right. not right. Right. But, and, and, and to, and to go back full circle, right? Like the duetto. Like I, I, I never got no demonic vibes from him. Like he was an evil person. He was a kid lost in the streets doing dumb things and it snowballed. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like he's psychologically somebody that can never recover from that. I don't feel like, I don't feel like life in prison plus 50 years is going to make him a different, you know, like. I just, I just feel like as a human, he was, he was, he was redeemable. That's, that's the, that's the problem is there's, there's, there's so many individualized cases. It's impossible for the system to catch that, you know, it's just, these crimes are, once they are stereotyped into a category, there's only one, there's only one, I guess, logical form of justice for it in their eyes. And that's for that kind of person to never walk in freedom again. And so, yeah, I think it's, 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 uh, you know, I think that's what we do here too, man, is, is that's, that's why the name of the of the show was normalized crime. You know, in my mind, it was for two reasons is, you know, how normal crime is when you come from these areas and also how normal the person is that is involved in the crime, you know, and, you know, he's, he, he probably, if, if, if I had to call a spade a spade right now and, and, and guess he'd probably be, you know, a dad right now with a couple kids working construction, settling down in his life, realizing all the mistakes he made, because that's what happens, man. People grow up, but he'll never have that chance. You know, he'll never have that opportunity. And I, think, I just think that's that's a shame. Yeah, and I think probably what the right solution to this problem is 
and we've talked about this on other episodes where the prison system needs to change. Like, okay, so this guy got life in prison, but they should be evaluating these people and they should be like, you know, this person is not a bad human being and can be put back into society regardless of what he may or may not have done. You know, there, yeah. there should be some system in the, in place there where they're evaluating people and deciding, you know, can, is this person, okay, maybe his sentence was this, but right. after X amount of years, and, and I guess people would say, well, that's what the parole system is, but yeah. I going yep. up in front of a, a board of people, and I don't even know what the qualify. You could probably speak more to this, but what the qualifications of a board, a parole board is. But I feel like a psychiatrist should should put down and say this person can be let back into society. And I think if that happens, then somebody right. like that should Listen. have the chance to prove. So yeah, so so parole is is useful for those that have that option, but there are sentences where people get life without parole, or in this case, life plus fifty years, which I don't even understand how you serve that. But um, you know, so parole is not an option here, and you know, there's one thing, man, that in life, right, as humans that I think is one of the most important, I guess, I don't even know if it'll be a value. I'll just say it's some sort of a value that you could have is hope. You know, as a person, if you have hope, which most people do day to day, you have hope. I mean, you have hope and things will go your way. You know what I mean? Just simple day to day things. Like you don't expect the bad things to happen. You got hope, you know? And in prison, man, that's, it's a dangerous thing because, you know, there's people that literally tell themselves and lie to themselves that are acting like they're going home and they'll never see the light of day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then there's people who, you know, and I'm talking about different ways you can use hope. You know, there's people that have no hope and that's, you know, sometimes they take themselves out. You know, and then and then there's people that have no hope and they just realize what their end is. And I've talked to somebody like that. You know, I've talked to a childhood friend like that on the phone. It blew my mind because I've never talked to somebody before him that had given up on getting out of prison. You know, most people, you know, credit to my brother throughout his whole time. He never uh, conceded to being in prison for the rest of his life. And and I remember talking to this guy. His name was Philip. I grew up with him. I remember talking to him, and he was just like, "I was like, what's going on, man? You know, and how you feeling? And you know, any any, any news?" He's like, "Nah, man. I'm just day to day, man." He's like, "I'm spending the rest of my life in here," and it was just so cold. You know what I mean? It was just a cold feeling I got from him that that he was content with that. And I just think that's that's the that's the dangerous part of hope, man, because that's the that's. That's a real thing. You can have it or you cannot have it. You can have it and be delusional from it or you can have it and it can drive you. And that's what my brother did. My brother had it. He always had his hope and it drove him and God blessed him. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy, 
a crazy thing about about those guys that are, are doing all that time, man. Do you have any feelings on on I guess what what could make this better? You know, man, I don't know. I just I think that at some point this is this is the life that is is here. I think that the evolution of of everything that once was has evolved into what it is now. And I don't feel like it's, there's, the thing is that it's so complex. There's no one um, hiccup that could change the course of it. Like it would have to completely go into a different direction. Things like that take a lot of years to accomplish and take a lot of people, take a lot of, a lot of willing participants. You know, it's not, it's not something that, I mean, just think about how many activists have been out there throughout the the course of time, man. There's activists out right now pounding their fists for for equal rights and the criminal justice system that been doing it, that been putting in the work. You know what I mean? And how much movement have they made? You know, yeah. not for lack of trying. Yeah, not for lack of trying. Those people deserve a lot of credit. Some of them, you never even know their name and they don't care because they're not there for that reason. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What really can you do? You know, and it's 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 always like it's uh, somebody always has a boss, right? And that's that's kind of how things go. I don't I don't feel like there's there's one way to to you know change this change this course. So all we can do is continue to to make people aware and and hopefully try to you know sway those that are involved away from it and and get some understanding and see see the end game, but see everything that's involved with it too. Cause I, you know, I, I always got the end game picture when I was little, man, you're going to end up in prison. You're going to end up dead. You mean, you know how many times I heard that? Mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't sway me from making the choices that I did. So, and that's because nobody was ever able to sit down with me and break down the facts. You know, nobody was ever there to, you know, poke holes in all these beliefs and, and, uh, and point out all the inconsistencies in, in, in the decisions I was making and the people I was surrounding myself with. So yeah, hopefully that's how, that's our job, you know, as we go on, hopefully that's what it is, you know, and then people come to know us and, and they, they, they become proactive and, and interactive, right? Like I, I, I always welcome comments, man. I always welcome reviews, good or bad. You know what I mean? You know, I, I'd like to know what we could do to make it better. What kind of, what kind of awareness people like to hear about, you know, or, or think is under mentioned in, in the society. Like at the end of the day, um, using my stories and bringing my story to, to, to this platform is, is, um, it's a means to an end, right? It's, 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 uh, it's a chance for me to try to make good out of, out of so much bad shit that I've done in my life. <laughs> That's where we're at, man. She got heavy again. You've been doing this too much. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that it's still positive, though. It's still positive. It gets heavy because they're real conversations, you know, that, yeah. that, that people have to, have to look themselves in the mirror and, and decide if they want to talk about it or not, you know? So I got no problem with that. I mean, I always, I always make light of it. You know, I always, I always try to put a positive spin on it, but I do feel like, you know, every now and then we got to be real with each other. You know, we got to. We got to be honest with each other, man. If people are going to give me a second chance, you know, then, then I have to be willing to make good of it. Yeah. And, and it really makes you think how many people are sitting in, in prison that if they were to get out would do exactly what you've done with your life. 
but they're just never yeah. afforded that opportunity. And I, I, I don't know how, I don't know what percentage of people, but to me, that's very tragic. And, and I would hope that most people would hear that and yeah. really think about it and think, God, that is really wrong. Yeah. That's powerful, you know, man. That's powerful. It is. And, uh, you know, we're locking all these people up and are we doing the best job to really, are we doing the best job to really look at it and say, is this person locked up because they need to be locked up because the world would be a more dangerous place if they weren't locked up or are 98% of these people sitting there? Could they, you know, maybe they need a little bit of education. Maybe they need some direction, but if we gave them that direction, they could be an asset to the world. And on the other side, when are we giving up? When are we giving up as a, as a society? I mean, because this law that is in Illinois, this law that everything up to murder is a no cash bail. Like you could commit second degree homicide, which could be first degree homicide, but you were just charged a second degree homicide and literally have no bail and be back in the street. Like when are we giving up as a society? <laughs> yeah. There has to be yeah. a balance, man. There has to be a balance. There has to be a give and a take. There has to be, man. Like, yeah, be, because if you just let them right back out, they're they're not going to learn from their mistakes either. So right. You're, you're right. There's got to be something there to get them the help they need to get yeah. them out of the situation. You're, you're basically, bro. You're basically condoning lawlessness, bro. Like you yeah. want to talk about anarchy? Like that is that they're going to look back on that decision and be like, listen, this was the worst decision we ever made as a criminal justice system. Like it's one thing to reevaluate the bail system, but to eliminate it? Come on, man. And that's coming from somebody who, like, I would have loved to have no bail. You know what I'm saying? Because I couldn't afford to get out. It's just crazy, man. It's it, it's it's a crazy thing, man. Like it, it's either it's either extremes one way or extremes to the other. You know, it's like there's no there's no middle ground anymore, man. There's no there's no center line. So I guess that's uh that's our job, Eric. That's our job. You know, we, we bring it to the table and, and let people think about it at least. Yeah. So I guess, um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's good. That's good. I feel like this was a, it was a, it was a good one. Then I think direction. We, we would highly encourage, we want to hear other people's thoughts about this. So, so send us a message at normalized crime. Tell us how we're seeing it completely wrong. How, you know, if you've got the solution to this problem, what is it? Because we want to know. With that, I think we'll wrap this episode up. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Leave uh, a review. Leave a review. Uh, send us an email, normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And do you got something in mind for next week, Berto? Yeah, yeah, I got something in mind, man. How about I show up at your house and we do That's one together? Right. How about that? yeah. How we're about we do that? In, and we're we're gonna be in person, and we're gonna have Gavin joining us. So you right. may have and, and here's Gavin my idea. Us. Here's my idea. I just came up with this on the fly, man. So the audience is hearing about it too. Here's my idea. I think we should go over our four part series that we did together. 
Maybe we can review that. Yeah, we can probably, we, we can, tr- we will have to talk, discuss that in further off air and figure yeah. out how we're going to do that. But yeah, we could probably do that. So. Yeah. Well, at least, at least, you know, at least just go over something together. Um, if not, I mean, I, you know, I can, we can definitely come up with something, but I was just thinking about that. Like maybe get into a couple little stories from one of the parts and, uh, and, and kind of be a little bit more in depth about it. Maybe you guys can ask some questions. I know Gavin loves to. Yeah, I will. We will speak to Gavin about this and we'll come up with a game plan. So f- plan for that for, for next week, everyone. If that doesn't happen, we may have, if, if it's just going to be too much of a job to be ready by next week for that, we may have to come up with another topic, but that will for certainly be down the road. Yeah. Yeah. We're we definitely going to do that. We're definitely yeah. going to do that. Now that I think gonna, about it, yeah, it's, it, it'll be a tight squeeze to try to put it all together. So the worst case scenario um, we'll have something good, but, but, but that will be coming though. So that's a, that's yeah. a teaser. Yep. So, all right. Well, with that, thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to normalized crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.